Come on, we can give it up for them. We get excited for them every week because we know we're not sending them from church or, or from the presence of God. As much as we think of them as our future, we know that God wants to speak to them in the present and that he's going to speak something to them this morning. So we get excited for them. But if you've been tracking with us on Sundays, then you know we've been in a series called 50 Day People. And we get that number 50 because of the, the Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. And the Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came in the book of Acts. And it came upon the apostles. And, and we believe here that the Holy Spirit didn't come and then go. We believe that the Holy Spirit came and stayed and that the Holy Spirit is still living and active in us and in our church. So we believe in a God that still makes the impossible possible. And we get this from Mark 10:27, where it says, Jesus looked at them and said, speaking to his disciples, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So in the early church, we see growth, we see fellowship and, and worship that, that's seemingly impossible. And we've been going over 10 of them, and I just dropped a couple of them, so I kind of gave away the answer. But I was going to, as, a, as a, our giveaway this morning, who can tell me three that we've gone over? Three of the impossibilities. Kenny. Haven't done prayer yet. You got one other one? Can you think of one? Can you think of one? Growth. You want to give it to him? Yeah, we'll give it to you. Here you go, Kenny. It's a worship album by our very own Kevin Tully. He's been down here. He's led worship here before, but that's his new album. It's special to me because a very special lady sings on it, my wife, and then her awesome husband did the graphics on it. So, so enjoy, Kenny. It's a, B, it's a B CD, and there's, we got more, so if you want to support him in that way. But we've been going over these 10 seeming impossibilities. Again, all things are possible with God, but this morning I want to look at favor. And when you hear the word favor in a church setting, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Caitlin. Blessings. Blessings. God's grace. In the Greek, actually, side note, the charis is used for favor and grace. So, excellent answer. Anybody else? Acceptance. His provision, that's good. Winning. <laughs> Hashtag winning. Right. But favor. When you look at favor in the Bible, it's a huge concept. And all of these answers look at facets of favor. And when you look in the NIV version of the Bible, the word favor is actually used as much or more than mercy, than blessings, and, and then grace. Favor is a, a big idea. And if somebody were to ask you what's the definition of favor... It's not like faith where you can say, oh, well, let's just look at Hebrews 11, 1, where there's a verse where it's, it's, it's small enough to, and succinct enough to, to just say, oh, here's the definition. Favor's a big idea. And if I were to do a series on it and try to exhaust favor as a subject, you know, Pastor Fred wouldn't get the mic back before next year. So I'm not going to do that. But I want to look at facets of favor tonight that we can walk in today. And of course, if we're in a series called 50 Day People, let's go to the 50 Day Church. Let's go to the church in Acts. And if we turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 47, it says, The early church enjoyed the favor of all people. Who wouldn't like to enjoy the favor of all people? Come on, I know Barack Obama and Mitt Romney would love to have the favor of all people. They've got these popularity polls, right, that go up and down every day. 
And I'm glad that they don't do those for pastors or any job that I've ever had because that would breed so much insecurity in me. I turn into one of those insecure teenagers that's checking out how many Twitter followers they have every hour, seeing who liked their last Instagram post. I would just go nuts if I had a popularity poll following me every day. And that's not how we're supposed to live anyway. In Galatians 1.10, Paul talks about, who am I here to please? Am I here to please man or God? Am I here to win favor with man or win favor with God? If I were here to win favor with man, I wouldn't be a servant of God. But the early church got this. The early church had a healthy hunger for God. And because they had favor with God, we see that they also enjoyed the favor of men. Luke wrote Acts 2 about the growth of the church. And in the book of Luke 2, he's writing about the growth of Jesus. And he says that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. He says he grew in favor with God and man. And that, that order is important because it's the favor of God that we seek. And then so often the favor of man will follow. Some of you guys might look at that skeptically because there have been some, some faulty teachings on favor that say, hey, if you've got a, a good relationship with God, if you've got the favor of God, you won't have trouble. If you've got a special relationship with God, you won't come upon hard times because you've got the favor of God. But that's not necessarily what we see. But I do want to tell you this morning that it's not prideful to say you have the favor of God. It's actually prideful to say that you don't have the favor of God or to think that you've done what you've done or or came to where you came without his favor and blessing. You know, the verse that sparked Pastor Fred's vision for this year, Psalm 124 verse 1 says, If the Lord had not been on our side... Let Israel say. Essentially, if the Lord had not been on our side, let city life say, where would we be? Without the favor of God, we wouldn't be able to live God-sized dreams and chase after impossible favor or impossible worship or impossible growth. We need the favor of God. We want the favor of God. It's a good thing. And favor might not boil down to name it, claim it, like so many people pursue, but it's for those who name him and claim him. Favors for those who follow Jesus Christ. And if you follow Jesus Christ this morning, you are walking in the favor of God. You might have come in here this morning and said, I don't feel like I'm walking in the favor of God. I'm struggling in my finances. I'm struggling to pay my mortgage. My marriage is struggling. Uh, I'm struggling to make my car payment. I'm waiting for that lotto ticket that will change his pay for all that, right? And sometimes the favor of God might look like that. Come on, he's a good father that wants to give good gifts to his children. And even like Pastor Fred has been giving these faith promise testimonies about uh, the, the favor that God has shown some people in this church through finances. But to boil down God's favor just to finances is to miss the favor of God that we walk in every day. Because again, if you wake up a follower of Jesus Christ, every time you put your foot to the floor, you are walking in the favor of God. How can I say that? Well, because we have a purpose for God, we have a presence with God, and we have provision from God. Those are three facets that I want to look at this morning that we're all walking in every day. We have a purpose, we have a presence with him, and we have provision from him. So this morning, before I I dig in any further, I want to go back to Luke 2, where Luke is describing Jesus growing up. And he says in verse 41 through verse 52, that every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, They went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Now, I would make a joke about parenting, but I haven't done it yet, so I'm going to lay off. But all I can say is, Lord, have grace when I have kids. 
But it's, I mean, they lost him in Jerusalem. That's like losing your kid in D.C. or something. It's, it says, when they didn't find him among their relatives, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. See, Jesus was walking in favor, and he understood that he had the purpose of God on his life. He says, didn't you realize I had to be in my father's house? Other translations say, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus realized he had a purpose. Now, pause. Let me ask you, if you knew tomorrow a celebrity, a famous person, whether it was a a director who directs some of your favorite movies or an actor or an athlete or a famous business person was going to call you and ask you to do something for them, what would you hope for? I know myself, just, just to spark conversation, if RG3 called me tomorrow and said, I want you to tie my shoelaces before every game, I would still be like, there, and feel favored, right? <laughs> or how about, uh, Pastor Fred was talking about, I think last week, it was, I think two weeks ago now, we saw T.D. Jakes speak down in Virginia Beach. T.D. Jakes is a large man. T.D. Jakes speaks with a lot of passion, and therefore he sweats a lot. Dude sweats through his undershirt, his shirt. By the time he was done preaching in Virginia Beach, he had sweat through his jacket. And he's, he'll walk off the stage, and he's got a whole posse. And he's got a guy who will grab a towel, and he's, as he was walking off the stage, wipe down his head like a giant bowling ball. Now, T.D. Jakes could call me and say, Justin, I want you to, to, to travel with me as I'm preaching and be the guy, if you can reach my head, to wipe down my head every, after every sermon. I'd be like, I'm there. I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm there. I would probably bring that towel out into a cup and drink it, you know, like Holy Spirit Gatorade. Because, I mean, just try to catch some of that T.D. Jakes anointing and bring it back here, you know what I'm saying? But the fact is that when somebody important gives us a task, we feel favored. And you see, how much more when God the Father in heaven gives us purpose should we feel favor? You know, the very purpose is God's favor in our lives. Jesus realized he had a purpose, and Now, I don't suggest this if there's any youth in here. And when his parents didn't look for him in the temple, essentially, he rebukes them for being forgetful and and ignorant of the fact that, you know, God is my father. I'm going to be in my father's house. Why wouldn't you look for me here immediately instead of after three days? And we might think, yeah, why didn't they look for him there first? You know, why were they forgetful of his purpose? But in our lives, how often do we forget our purpose? which ultimately is to give God glory, you know, in everything we do, to exalt him with our lives. And when we forget that purpose that we hold, so often we can go off and chase other pursuits, pursuits that we want to pursue. And all of a sudden, the favor of God becomes favor from God. Like favor is swag, stuff we all get that's going to fund us as we pursue what we want to pursue, as if it's going to fit into our framework and simplify our lives, right? But when we look at the Bible, we see it's a little different. Like you go to Genesis with Abraham. You know, Genesis says that Abraham was favored by God. But what's the very first thing that God tells Abraham? Anybody know? Yeah, move. (laughs) Leave your family, leave everything you know, and go to the land I will show you. 
Mind you, he wasn't even showing it to him yet. Like, I'll show it to you later. That's like if Pastor Fred on Monday said, hey, Juice, there's a church plant we want to do. We want you to be involved. We don't know where it's going to be. Don't know who's involved. Don't know how we're going to fund it. But we want you to sell everything you own and start driving with Steph just west, you know, just go west. And, and, and we'll let you know later, you know, what's up. I'd be like, thanks. Uh, let me pray about it, right? Because it doesn't seem simple. But even though it wasn't simple for Abraham, God was setting him up for favor on his life. You look at Gideon in the book of Judges. God had favor on his life, calls him to to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites. And Gideon gets together an army of 10,000 able-bodied men. And then God dwindles it down to 300. And he's like, all right, now now go fight him. That's like if God told me to fight Floyd Mayweather and was like, all right, but do it with one hand behind your back. As if I wasn't going to have enough trouble already. But this is what he, he does to Gideon, not necessarily simplifying the situation, but setting him up for victory, and not just any victory, but a victory that would give glory to God. Because again, that's our purpose. And then you see Nehemiah. This is when the Israelites are in exile. He's cupbearer to the king, and God gives him favor with the king so that he can leave. Why? So he can use his days of PTO he had saved up? No, so he could go to Jerusalem and start the arduous, difficult, sometimes dangerous process of building the wall around Jerusalem. Esther is similar, again, in exile with the Israelites. She's shown favor by God for the king. The king was looking for a new queen, and he brings her in with a bunch of other women. It says they get beauty treatments. You know, was, was that the extent of God's favor? So she'd get manis and petties and get like a Jersey Shore level tan. No, it, he was setting her up so she could go before the king and intercede for the Israelites, who were about to literally face a genocide and, and, and beg for her people, even though stepping in the king's presence could get her killed if the king didn't request for her to come. And then lastly, in the New Testament, we see Mary. Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you are blessed and highly favored. Like, you're you're favored to the max. And yet, you know, if if she knew the prophecies about the Messiah, she would know that she was going to see her son suffer, be crucified, and die before she even died. See it in her lifetime. Oh, and then there's the fact that it's going to look like your, your pregnancy is out of wedlock. You know, there's, there's complications. And we see in all these stories that faith has to follow favor. Faith is necessary to walking out the favor that God has in your life. And we see it as well. We look at all these names, but the one I want to park at is Moses. We, we all know the story of Moses. And God comes to Moses in a burning bush and, and, and Begin speaking purpose into Moses' life. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to, to free my people. And Moses at the burning bush doubts that it's really God's favor. He's like, are you sure you got the right guy? You know I stutter. You know I, I actually murdered a guy in the past. I'm not really equipped for this. Are you sure this is your purpose for my life? But you know that you're, work, you're walking out God's favor-filled purpose for your life when God's favor doesn't fit into your framework, when you don't have the know-how to connect all the dots or how to achieve his purpose, when God calls you to do something you don't feel equipped for or know how to do on your own. Because you see, God's favor calls us to God-sized purposes that walk out God-sized dreams. And the fact that God calls us to walk these out with him is his favor. And you see, when he calls us to these purposes and these plans and these projects for his kingdom, he doesn't leave us alone to walk them out. He's with us in them. I think of my dad. He often wanted to go on adventures, go camping or do projects with me. There was one time he was in the Christian bookstore and I went with him and I saw a cross. It was cool. It was carved up. It was wood. And I was like, dad, can we buy that? It's probably like something stupid, like 50 bucks. And he was like, no, we can make that. And we spent an afternoon project together just building the cross. And then I still have it. And that was meaningful to him, to do a project with me, to, to, to grow together. 
God the Father is the same way. When he calls you to a purpose, he calls you to a plan, he calls you to do something, he's going to be there with you. And you see, that's the second level of favor that I want to look at today, the, the favor that we have presence with God. Again, when, when Mary and Joseph find Jesus, Jesus says, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He realized he had a purpose from God. And to walk out that purpose, it was going to take the favor of God's presence. In the book of Exodus, again, when we go back to Moses and the Israelites, Moses had been walking out God's purpose on his life. He had freed the Israelites at this point. He had experienced the favor of God's purpose, walking it out. But he's talking to God in Exodus 33, and he says, You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So essentially he's saying, I know I found favor with you, but could I, could I please continue to find favor with you? I know I found the favor of your purpose, but can I continue to find favor with you? And what's God's answer? It's in verse 17. He says, you know what? I'm going to do as you said because I found favor with you. I'm going to go with you. My presence is going to go with you. That's how Moses was reassured of God's favor on his life because he had the favor of God's presence. You know, God had been with him all along, but God wanted to remind him, look, you have the favor of my presence. Every day you wake up and follow me. And you see here at the City Life Church, we believe, as Pastor Fred would say, that God is shatteringly present everywhere, all the time. God is omnipresent. It's one of his qualities that he not only creates all things, but he sustains all things. He's, he's everywhere. And when we show up here on a Sunday morning, he's already here. I love how Pastor Fred spoke during impossible worship that we don't see worship as ushering in God. We believe that worship, that act of worship, as we worship with the worship team, that that's ushering us into God's presence, which is already here. Acts 17 says, in him we live and move and have our being. The question is, are we awakened to God's presence? Have we shown up? Because God's shown up, are we showing up? You know, Pastor Fred, he did a wedding last night in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And no doubt they had wedding favors. And he's probably going to come home with one. But if you were invited to that wedding and you didn't show up, you're not going to get the wedding favor. They're going to have better things to do on the honeymoon than, than ship you a favor, right? Um, so you, if you want the favor, you got to show up at the wedding. If you want the favor of God, you got to show up. You know, passiveness is going to never uh, receive the favor of God. So the question is, how do I show up? How do I show up? And we talked about worship already, but if you turn to Psalm 96, verse 9, it says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. And in another translation, that second half says, Let all the earth be moved at his presence. If you want to experience a move of God's presence, one of the ways you can do that is worship him in his holiness because he's worthy. A second one would be prayer. One of the biggest things can, that can distract us from the fact that God is present and he's, 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 prob, he's reigning over everything is simply problems, worry, anxiety, things that distract us. But what does it say in Philippians 4, 6? In the New Living Translation, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Come on, impossible peace. And it says his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As you're in Christ Jesus, his presence. Come on, prayer is what gets rid of those worries and those anxieties. And then when we talk about being in Christ Jesus, we also see it with the word and the Bible. In John 15, 7, it says, remain in, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He says, if it, you remain in me. And how do we do that? He says, and my word remains in you. Come on, when you store up the word of God in your life, you meditate on his word, it awakens you to the fact that, that God is present, that God is watching over your life. And then lastly, gathering. Come on, when, when Jesus said to his parents, come on, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? If somebody were to ask me, what are you doing this weekend, Saturday night or Sunday morning, I would be like, didn't, don't you know I'm going to be in church? I'm going to be in my father's house, not because I have to, but because I want to experience the favor of his presence. Psalm 133 talks about how blessed it is when God's sons and daughters come together in unity because it commands a blessing. It commands the favor of God's presence. The question is, are you going to show up? A lot of times people want God's favor, but they reject his bride, the church. They're not showing up with the church. Come on, the question is, are you showing up? Because unity, coming together, gathering, commands the favor of God's presence. We got to show up. Is that speaking to anybody this morning? Come on. Lastly, we have provision from God. I was listening to uh, one of the artists I like. His name is Shad. It's not Shade. I'm not mispronouncing Shade. I wasn't listening to Smooth Operator while planning this sermon. But his name is Shad. And one of his lines was, how do you make a rich man buy? You make him feel poor. Essentially, how do you make somebody who already has everything spend what they have to get something they don't need? How do you make a a, a son who has everything provided to him by his father become a prodigal son and go out into the world and pursue other things? Because that's one of the enemy's tactics, that we would forget God's favor, that we would forget the favor of his presence, the favor of his provision, and go out into the world and buy into the world system and forget the favor of God. You see, again, to go back to Moses and the Israelites, when they were at Mount Sinai, they had experienced, again, the, pres- the favor of God's purpose. They had made it out of Egypt, out of slavery. They were experiencing the favor of God's presence. It said that God led them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Here at Mount Sinai, it says that God's presence was on the mountain, like his tangible presence. They were experiencing the favor of his presence, but they were being impatient for the favor of his provision. They, they knew that there was a promised land they were going to, and they, they knew that they were in the desert for a time, but they were getting impatient. They wanted it pronto. And really, they were like, all right. They doubted the favor of God, and they go to Aaron, the high priest, and they're like, look, this whole God thing isn't working out for us. Let's, let's make an idol. So they make a golden calf. Now, this is where if you're reading the Bible and you're asking questions, a question arises. If they've been in slavery for generations, and, and they went from slavery into the desert, then where on earth did they get enough gold to make a golden calf, right? I'm glad you asked. Because in Exodus 3.20 through 22, God is describing how he's going to deliver them from the Egyptians and deliver them from Pharaoh. And he says, I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold, say bling bling, and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Now, this is fascinating 
Because before Moses and this generation of Israelites, the Israelites for generations had been slaves serving the Egyptians, helping them build this kingdom of wealth. And no doubt for those generations, they had cried out for deliverance. They had cried out for favor. They had cried out for provision. But it seemed like they weren't getting their answer. But what's interesting is we're outside the story. So we see that during that time, they were building up a nest egg of God's provision that was going to bless their descendants as they walked out of Egypt free people. It's, it's crazy. And, and no doubt, you know, some of you have showed up this morning and it, it's like, man, I've been laboring tirelessly and I've been waiting for God's provision and I'm just waiting for him to move in my life. I'm struggling here. I'm struggling there. You just got to remember God is omnipresent. He's all powerful. He's omniscient and he keeps the books. He sees your righteousness. And Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Come on. God has provided for you in your past. He, you might not see it in the present, but there's going to be favor in your future. You've just got to keep your faith. Again, God's favor requires faith. You see, when we forget God's favor, we can end up like the Israelites. What the Israelites essentially did is they lost faith for God's favor in the present. So they took God's past provisions, the gold they had had from the Egyptians, and made an idol rather than keeping faith for God's future favor. And we say, that's dumb. Why would they do that? But so often in our life, come on, when we come across desert seasons, we come across seasons where we're struggling, and all of a sudden we look at those things that God has blessed us with and and look to them for fulfillment, making them idols, rather than looking to Jesus Christ, who, come on, when we were in our worst position ever, dead in sin, he provided a way out of that. How much more can he provide a way out of this situation and make sure that those who he has already made righteous won't fall? Come on, we got to keep faith. And as David says in Psalm 103, forget not all his benefits. What Aaron, the high priest, should have done when this knucklehead came up to him and said, hey, we want to build an idol, is like Sparta kicked him in the chest and then, you know, got him out of the way and said, look, praise the Lord and forget not all his benefits. Like David says in Psalm 103, forget not his benefits. When we hear the word benefit, it, it might call to mind a lot of things, but with your job, your benefits are like the cherry on top to your wages. It's, it's the extras you get on top of what you're earning monetarily. Some of y'all are like, man, I wish I would have invited my boss this week because he knows nothing about those seemingly. But, uh, <laughs> but you can burn him a podcast. It's cool. We're going to podcast this. You can burn it and hand it to him. Say go to minute like 35, whatever. But, uh, but when you look at benefits, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever, how many of you know about Google, like the benefits they have? It's crazy. You work for Google. They've got a huge facility. There's like a, a salon where you can get free haircuts. There's a free cafeteria. There is a masseuse. I believe you have to pay for it, but it's in residence. Like, you're stressed out. Man, I need a massage. Go down the hall to the right. You can get a massage, right? They got a, a, a little rec center where you can work out. You know, maybe you're tired, want to get swole, whatever. Uh, they got a, a room where you can just be distracted, where there's pool tables, ping pong tables, uh, foosball tables. I mean, I'm bitter. Pastor Fred's not here. I want all those things in my office. I'm going to take notes for him. But, uh, no doubt, after a few years, you've been working at Google for a while now, and you're like, yeah, there's, there's a gym over there, but I'm too lazy to ever use it, and I could get free lunch over there, but I'm craving that Chick-fil-A like I do every day. And <laughs> after a while, I'm sure it's like, yeah, the benefits are there, but, you know, they, they kind of lose their luster. And I think a lot of times that can be us as believers. You see, when we first find God, We're infatuated with his favor. Our minds are blown by the list of his benefits. But then over time, we can just become really dead to them. You know, forget the fact that we're walking 
in favor. And you know, so often we falter because we, we forget God's benefits. You know, we can't forget the favor of his purpose, the favor of his presence, the favor of his provision that really we walk in daily. And I, I would just invite the uh, worship team up, but I want to invite us all to stand as well. It's early, but I want to have some back, back time on the back end just to go back into worship and step into some of these things. But I was reading Psalm 103. We're reading through the Bible in a year, so, so often in the summer you hit up Psalms. I remember reading Psalm 103 about a, a month ago or so, and it talks about, again, the list of God's benefits. And you get to Psalm 103, verse 3, and it says, Who forgives all our sins. And at that point I had to put my Bible down and just think, you know? Think, like, if that was all I ever got, <laughs> all my sins forgiven. That's enough favor for me, where I would owe God praise for the rest of my days. If all I ever found was forgiveness for my sins and righteousness and salvation, I would owe God praise forever. Even if he never answered another one of my prayers, even if he never gave me any more favors, (laughs) that would be enough. I can list his benefits and praise him for them, but if my sins have been forgiven, that's reason enough to praise and thank him. See, if you found Jesus Christ, you found favor. If you found Jesus Christ, you found all the favor you'll ever need. So this morning, as we enter back into worship, if I could just have everybody close their eyes and bow their heads because I don't want to leave this place and not give somebody the opportunity to step into God's favor, the favor of Jesus Christ, the favor of forgiveness, and the favor of salvation for the first time. And if that's you this morning, you know who you are. If that's you this morning and you've never said to God, I want your purposes over my pursuits, I I want to submit to you all my days and follow you and experience the life you have for me, and come on, I want to give you this opportunity now with, as the worship team's playing, as, as everybody's praying themselves for you, just to, to raise your hand where you're at. If that's you this morning, just, just lift your hand. That's good. Thank you, God. And for those of us that are walking in the favor of Jesus Christ that every morning we wake up we're walking in the favor of God's purpose and his presence and his provision sometimes though we can become forgetful of that and maybe this morning you would say you know I, I, I've forgotten the favor of my purpose I, I've been pursuing other things things that I want to pursue and I, I've cast aside God's purpose for my life maybe you simply want to lay hold of that anew this morning then come on wait this is an altar area you can come up here praise and worship and we can pray for you if you want to lay hold again of God's purpose and maybe this morning you've forgotten the favor of his presence maybe you've been coming to church maybe you've been reading your bible but mentally you're you're just not showing up come on like we talked about in the worship set we draw near to God and he draws near to us if you want to lay hold of the favor of his presence this morning and draw near to him come on again the altar area is open and lastly if If you've lost faith for the favor of God's provision, come on, we want to stand with you. Come on, we want to pray with you that God would restore your faith. Come on, we sing the song, Give Me Faith. It's biblical. The disciples ask Jesus for more faith. People ask Jesus for more faith. You can stand here this morning and say, God, I want faith for your provision because I believe in your favor and I want to walk in your favor. 
Come on, I want every person here to walk out of this church reminded of God's favor on our lives, that he's a good God who gives good gifts. And we might be in a desert season, but we can have faith in his favor. But let's pray and, and let's enter in and let's, let's worship God now.